Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. Hello everyone again, and welcome back to the Cyber Mentoring Monday podcast. Today we have an amazing guest on the podcast. Vandana Vema. I know Vandana for quite a while right now. We touch base and we uh, we ping pong on, on different uh, exchange on, on Twitter. And then we finally managed to meet at one of the UPSEC conference that she was doing. And she was actually keynoting. She was uh, the, the closing keynote on diversity, uh, UPSEC DC, UPSEC Global DC. It's been a real pleasure because Vandana has actually started with me the Mentoring Monday podcast. She was in most of the uh, calls and she was trying so hard to give back despite the fact that she's so involved in the community. So she's a friend, she's a leader, and she's recently joined the OWASP chapter board. And we all have great expectation on her, but she's already doing so much. So I hope you enjoy the conversation today and that's going to give you more insight. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Zoe. And Zoe is the chapter leader for the New York OWASP chapter. Again, I really hope you participate in the community and you enjoy this podcast because it's from me and from Zoe and from the rest of the community to you guys to know more. Tune in and enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Do we have Vandana on the call? Hi, Vandana. How are you doing? Hi, Francisco. I am good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. Despite the fact that here in London is quite gray. (laughs) (laughs) But we keep on being positive. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for making time for the community and for giving back. I really appreciate it. I know you're you're a very busy, busy person traveling around. So do you want to introduce yourself and then I'm going to introduce myself? Sure. So, uh, hi everyone. I am Vandana and uh, I work for a multinational firm as a security architect where I work on solution uh, solution designing for the products. Or you can say I work on a DevSecOps uh, model. And uh, apart from that, uh, I work with certain communities to spread cybersecurity awareness. To start off, I work with OWASP Women in AppSec. I had InfoSec Girls from India, and I'm also part of WUSEC, which is Women of Security. And recently, um, uh, I've just uh, uh, been nominated as a OWASP board member, and I'll be taking up the role from 1st of January. That's about me. Fantastic. And I'm your host, Francesca Cipollone. I am a director of NSC42. We are a consultancy based in London. We work with a number of clients and I'm also heading up the Cloud Secure Alliance for UK and Ireland. And we host this podcast to give back to the community to answer the question. And in the next two months, we're going to have application security as a team. I don't know if you guys seen, but <laughs> probably have half of the world's new board members. Uh, we're going to have more and more application security talk because I think it's going to be the future. 
and it's going to be where we are heading up. But let me ask Vandana, do you think is uh, how important is becoming application security in, in the modern world? The way we have seen the applications are getting redesigned and the applications are being categorized as modernized application. It's very important to understand that how application security works, the basics of application security, how security can be imbibed from the very beginning rather than thinking about it and thinking about the security or application security in the end and then paying a hefty amount and fixing those bugs. So uh, most of the companies have started to practice, get to know early and fix the bugs early. So there was one article I was reading wherein uh, it was mentioned that if you fix one bug in the early stages uh, of the life cycle or when the bug you discover in the design phase itself or even in the discussion, it will cost you like 70, 80 bucks. But then when you fix it, in the production, it will cost you a huge amount because then you have to take care of so many things. You have your production load running. You have your, you have to make sure your developers are there. Your uh, testing team is there. Operation is running smooth. So many things to consider. So it's very, very important. Any uh, uh, company that's thinking of uh, owning an application or have application, they need to take care of application security, be it in-house, which is on-premise or be it on-cloud. That's fantastic, and I absolutely completely agree with you. But is is considering maybe application security is not a new uh, element, but it's been of recent, I think, more and more focused with function as a service, with you know everything, the delegation of responsibility in the cloud being more and more towards the cloud provider. So effectively, what we own as organization is application, and application security becomes the security function. So how can we make this one as a priority without scaring our board, uh, without scaring people? Because fundamentally, whenever you launch an application security program and I'm, and I'm launching one, I get people that are terrified because you open a Pandora box. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like uh, opening a can of worms, right? So what we can do is, first of all, we need to uh, get the people in one room, on one table, and start talking about it. That This is a plan that we have. And this has to be an open talk with the developers, with the operation people, whosoever is involved in the whole process. Because uh, it's not just the security team who's going to be working on it. It's going to be the team who's going to be developing it, be it function as a service or any other service. So we have to make sure that everyone is aligned with it. And there are a few things that we would have to do. Because if we are starting fresh, we can actually do that. If we don't have much of a budget, then we can do the internal discussions, trainings, tech talks, brown bag sessions, wherein uh, we come up with topics that that are of uh, utmost important and start talking about it. And if you have even one person who's from the security team who's sharing the knowledge, and then that other person who's hearing it can give a, a consecutive talk. So it has to be like we are all in discussion and sharing what we know. And one more important thing, when we are talking about all these uh, uh, modernized uh, function as a service or all these things, we have to be considerate that if these things come into picture, these are actually making lives easy. But how we have to work on this, we have to go in depth and understand. Then only we can secure them. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and also one of my big team in you know, the cloud talk is understand who is responsible for what. And ultimately, you... 
as an organization, we are accountable for data. So we can't delegate that. We can't delegate application security. We can delegate just some responsibility, but I fundamentally agree with you. So how do you envisage though, avoiding the scare tactic, avoiding opening the kind of worm and then terrify? What's your take on visualization of all these vulnerabilities, for example? I have a very simple tactic. If I have to talk uh, about security with someone, it's not about scare, it's scaring them, but I always talk about the facts, wherein if I tell them that this is the OWASP top 10, this is application security, if we do not comply, then these are the things that can happen. Talk about the major breaches that have happened in the past couple of years, like Equifax breach, then you have Capital One, you have Facebook, so many bridges are there. And if you talk tell them, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like these are like the bigger bridges. And if we tell them, if we don't comply, these are the things that can happen to us also. It's not to scare you. We are all there to support you, but we have to work together to fix it. And recently, I was in discussion with one of the colleges wherein we uh, we were planning to give a session and we got to know that they are working on a site and they found 16 critical bugs and they were not sure how to fix it. And they asked their uh, senior people who were in the MTEX and they were asking if you know about it. They were not aware. Then they thought, no, we need some program wherein to work on our own site, we need to be very well educated and we need to talk about it. So whenever there is a talk that is happening, which is more of a discussion, it's never to scare people for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. It's just, it just getting the buy-in and, and the buffer to actually do those discussions because when everybody's terrified, I hear, I hear for applica- kickoff of application security program of, oh, our developer don't know security, we should fire them. And I've been having conversations similar that's like, that's that's not the way to go. We should elevate people, not just thinking everybody knows everything. Absolutely. We need to consider that they have their job. Earlier, it used to be plain that they have to work on the application and it has to be good. That was their job. And suddenly we we force them we en- or we enforce them to do security. We can't just go ahead and start expecting. We'll have to enable them. We'll have to make them aware what security means to an organization, what can happen if uh, we do not do the secure coding or how can we do the secure coding? Can we have some training programs for them? Can we do something like an ongoing process? Because if we are are complying by the security like six months or um, we're just doing a training after six months or one year, and we are telling that we are all good with the training process. I don't think so. That's a good training process. It's about creating more people who can talk about security. How about if you train a developer and they talk about security? It's like a it's like the biggest win we can have. Or an operation guy or a, a person who's working on the operation. They enable them and they talk about security. That's the biggest win for security. Right. So it's great. I absolutely agree. It's creating that peer network that help each other and, and effectively push security from bottom up instead of uh, top down. I think that's. Uh, I fundamentally agree, but it, it also requires some buy-in at a certain point. Absolutely, absolutely. It needs the buy-in from the leadership. And it sounds funny that uh, sometimes the teams themselves don't want to talk to each other. 
even if there are so many things uh, which are conciding, but then they don't want to talk to each other. That time leadership has to pitch in and say, this is the plan that we have to achieve and we all have to work together. And when the things come from the top down, they will work. Yes, becoming their priority. Yes. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's making it their problem because it's their boss problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Like, I have seen people saying that things are coming um, bottom up. But then when it comes top down, it matters because they say we want to get this done. (laughs) (laughs) It's bread and butter. (laughs) Yeah, I I think think both approach work. But uh, let me ask Zoe. Zoe, do do you have a take on this or do you have any specific other topic that you want to see the conversation? I think, you know, both are important, definitely in combination. And, you know, the incentive models are different. The strategies in, you know, getting people on board are different. But again, you know, they're, they're both important. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. So let me ask a challenging question to Vandana. You work in, uh, ac- across the globe and you work with, uh, across different cultures. How do you see this top-down and bottom-up approach in different culture? How does it work in India, in China, for example, uh, in Europe, in US? Mm-hmm. What's your take on it? So it's obviously challenging, especially the time zone, starting with the time zone itself. Because when you have to reach out to those people, you have to be available during their time zone. And you have to be accustomed with the processes wherein you have to make sure that you're not enforcing them to do something, but you're making them aware. Let's say, I'll give you an example. You're bringing up a new model for for a process wherein you want to implement secure code review. And there are multiple teams across the globe. How can you make sure that those teams are all uh, using this particular tool and making sure that the results are proper, they're working on security. You have to talk to them. Tell them that there are serious bugs. These are the serious bugs. And these are the uh, implications that can happen. And I am sure anytime you talk about different geographies or even the same country, the people who are sitting next to each other, you have to educate them. Education is the key to get any program successful. And uh, when you say that the different geographies, it's again becomes uh, more difficult because mm. you have to make sure you check their calendar, whether they are available during that time uh, or not. What time they? I have done meetings very late night, like two o'clock in the evening, uh, two o'clock in the night. But I wanted to make sure that it's it's not every day, but it's once in a while when I need to make sure that. I have to have those discussions which can only happen over a call rather than just emails. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's making it important. I mean, doing the legwork, making it showing that it's important for you so that the other people becomes a little bit more receptive. Yeah. And I'm sure you don't have to do it every day. And when you do late work, it's not that you're doing it for someone else, but you're doing it because you want to do it. Yeah. And it's your commitment to the cause. 
Correct, correct. And sometimes, let's say if you're working, you're in India, you're working for an Asian population or community, then that time it will be all the same time zone, right? So that time it'll be very easy. Okay, it's done. And for UK, again, it's one to 10. So it, it, it becomes how you want to start off, which population you will target first. And you have to go group wise and you have to be on top of things. You can't keep the things over the email all the time. People do read emails, but they also have so many things running around. You have to keep that. Yeah. If you block half an hour, 15 minutes, it can be a quick call. Get the discussion done and then keep the mails flowing. It's fine. So what do you think about between like blogging, emailing and conversation, face-to-face conversation well, or, or video conversation? I feel video conversation is the best. And no doubt the email, you can have it as a proper uh, conversation you are going through. But then if there is a dire need to have a face-to-face conversation, go ahead, set up a WebEx or set up a Zoom meeting, set up any meeting which can give you like a 15 minutes quick Thing, get it done because sometimes mm-hmm. those conversations are required and always when you have a face to someone it puts a different it gives you a different arena altogether like I talk about you and I we knew each other for quite some time right <laughs> yes. but then we got to meet just last month and we know like now we know face to face each other that yeah the connection is on a different connection. level it's like yeah yeah unfortunately well unfortunately at it's good to to meet to meet in person, and I think that that's an important key to the community. I mean, Sam is is organizing the Was London. Uh, Loredana is helping with we are in, in in Italy. Yeah. it's 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 amazing because I think that that's what brings people together, and ultimately it's, it's all about people. So I keep on making the point on each transformation program, each application program is about our people. It's about that at the first the developer, for example, the first line of defense. So we need to empower it. And I, and I went on a fight with, <laughs> I'm not going to de- develop on it, but I said we need to defend our developer to have enough time to actually spend time with security people and actually learn this stuff. We can't expect them to learn them by default. And it's really basic stuff. It's really basic stuff. So I, I was blown away what, for example, just explaining how to do like a store procedure or input serialization or, or what OWASP is, is making available as library for input serialization or things like that, how people get blown away. It's like, oh, there are resources available for this. It's like you're opening a world for them where something that is obscure, brutal, scary just become, oh, all right, it's just code. You're just fixing a bug. Absolutely. Think about, I'll tell you, uh, I am a big fan of uh, a lot of OWASP uh, projects, but there's one which I talk a lot about, like dependency checker. I am a big mm-hmm. fan because I have seen that, or, or all of us have seen that there are major breaches because of the third party libraries. And there's a yeah. tool which is available, which you can leverage, at least as a standard or a ban- benchmark in your organization, which is open source, you know that the community have worked on it. And you can figure out what are the libraries which are there. And as you said, that it becomes so easy for them to understand that what are the issues. And if you uh, also, I'll highlight one more thing that when we are talking about security, if we talk in terms of the, the language, the people understand, example, mm-hmm. if we raise a defect in the in Jira or any ticketing tool, which 
the developers understand or the operation teams understand how easy would it be for them to work on that yeah it becomes part of their daily life and actually i push it to develop a concept further how easy will that be to actually just merge the concept of code defect bugs and use stories and just make you know you just schedule this stuff in your in your daily life in your weekly sprint and build a healthy balance i think uh, i think it was google that implemented the concept you keep a healthy balance between the use stories and the, the bug or the defect or the code defect. And if you breach that threshold, then you own the support of your own application. Google doesn't support your application as a whole. And then it's the responsibility of the application owner to take that further. I think that's a great concept. What's your take on it? Absolutely, absolutely. Because then they are telling you that we are there, but we, we are not there. We are, we are supporting you, but then we are enabling you. It's like a dual concept to, to enable you. So I feel it's amazing. Yeah. So talking about OWASP, what's your view on it? What's your, you excited? Well, of course you're excited, but what's your expectation on, on a board leadership? I mean, you came from a uh, from local chapter. How, how is the, the shift in the world between uh, leading all the chapter towards the future and, and just a chapter? So I would say... Um, it's a great opportunity for me. The transition uh, will take time. I will understand how the board works um, and how the decisions are being made. There are a few uh, things that I have in my vision, which I have uh, shared in my uh, interview questions as well. So about future of OWASP, I know there are wonderful leaders who are already there and there were leaders in the past. So I am looking forward to learn from them. How smooth is the process? What are things I need to get myself enabled? I have a roadmap in my mind, but it's a long two years and I have to make sure that the work that I do will make some impact for the community, for OWASP. So I have a lot of things running and I want to drive it with a positive force. And not just OWASP Bangalore chapter, I am part of OWASP Women in AppSec and I've been training at multiple conferences. So I know some of the people who are part Mm -hmm. uh, of OWASP, like a lot of chapter leaders, the whole staff, the board members, uh, you, and I I have a feel that it's a community. We have to make sure we um, take decisions for OWASP and the community projects. So I have to work towards that so that we take the right decisions for the betterment of all of them. That's great leadership already. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we're going to discuss more and more with Vandana about her vision for WASP, her new project, what she's going to do, the roadmap and how we can keep back and how we can get in touch as a community of practice. And then we're going to open the floor to questions. So I really hope you enjoyed this part and you're going to tune in for the second part. Thank you. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com. 